Brothers and sisters, today we're going to, this evening we're going to review some things about the Lord Jesus Christ, <clears throat> spoken of himself in the, in the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 through 6. Well, I know we've gone over these things in the past, but uh, I think it was meet for us to go over them again. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he hath said, he hath said, I will never leave thee or forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, in the world that we live in, there's an emphasis set by the people about what living is all about. You'll notice this as you walk about your daily lives, that the people that you work around, the people that you live around, they set an emphasis they don't even have to say it with their mouth. They say it by how they live, what they seek after, what they value, what they desire, even what they consider to be their reason for living, their goals, their dreams, their aspirations, their achievements, their accomplishments, their, per their very perceptions of reality, even what they consider to be their safety and their protection. They are every day making declarations of what life is all about and why it is to be lived. In the environment that we live in in the United States of America, this emphasis goes something like this. Get a nice education, get a decent job, live in a nice house, marry and start a family, try and eat as healthy as you can, work out, don't forget the constant entertainment, got to have the entertainment. Do what makes you feel good as long as it's not illegal. And even then anymore, that's, that's almost out the window anymore. Plan well for your retirement. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Leave behind a legacy. Live, love, and laugh. Eat, drink, and be merry. These are all things that have to do with life in this world only. You know people who do this. You may even work with them. They may even be members of your own family. You may even have lived like this at one point in time. As a result of that influence, this improper emphasis, and the reason that churches today being unwatchful, not watching, made its way into Christendom in the, in the day that we live in, into the church, this emphasis got in there. There's a brand of Christianity that's teaching people that serving God is temporal gain. Even in Paul's day, there were some people who were teaching this. He told Timothy that there were men of corrupt minds, destitute of the truth, like no truth in them. Who suppose, who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. He said, from such, withdraw yourself. Don't intentionally surround yourself with people who teach that by serving God, your earthly situation will improve. Don't do it. Don't do it. 
You are, you are under no obligation to be subjected to such a teaching or to such a teacher. You're free to walk away from that. Here in our text found in the 13th chapter of Hebrews is the culmination of the effects of Jesus being our high priest. The writer speaks in summarization and conclusion of that reality. If Jesus has extracted us from this present evil world and is sanctifying us to himself and is in fact our great high priest mediating the blessings of God to the people, then see covetousness is entirely out of order. It's entirely out of order. It's out of order for the child of God to embrace covetousness. To have a strong desire for things that are disassociated from heaven. They have no, they have no place in heaven. It's out of order. See, the Lord makes no allowance for earthly appetites to dominate, to dominate in our thinking and in our affections. Those who make room for covetousness, in effect, have like tethered their hearts to the earth. They've anchored their hearts to the earth like, like, Cis, like Sisera's head was nailed to the earth. They attach great weights to their hearts. Brethren, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. Remember that Jesus said, Concerning the seed that fell upon thorny ground, how the cares of the world choked out the word and it became unfruitful. It it didn't have room to grow. It was choked out. The things of the world, the concerns of the world, the cares of the world, maybe even the pleasures of the world became the dominating consideration and it choked out the word. Couldn't work. Couldn't move about. You see, covetousness is the result of not properly considering the Lord Jesus Christ and the reality that he will never leave us or forsake us. This this consideration, it's a consideration that's not found in a fleeting sentence here or there in all the scripture, but this is a foundational truth. That the Lord has time and time again, see the Lord time and time again has spoken this to his people. The Lord spoke through Moses, said to his people in the the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31. He says, be strong and of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God He it is that doth go with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. See that he had a reminder that God was with him now. He said, for the Lord thy God is a merciful God. He will not forsake thee, neither destroy thee, nor forget the covenant of thy fathers, which he swore unto them. Deuteronomy 4.31. He said, the Lord, he, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be thou dismayed. Deuteronomy 31.8. And he said, when thou goest out to battle against thine enemies and seest horses, chariots, and a people more than that, looks like utter, utterly hopeless, like you're outnumbered. Be not afraid of them. 
For the Lord thy God is with thee, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord spoke through Samuel. 1 Samuel 12, 22. When he said, There shall not be any man able to stand before thee all the days of thy life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee or forsake thee. And it's written in the book of the Kings. 1 Kings 11.33 And I will dwell among the children of Israel, and I will not forsake my people Israel. And David told his son Solomon, Be strong and of good courage, and do it, and fear not, nor be dismayed. For the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee until thou hast finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. And he even spoke through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 41.9 Thou whom I have taken from the ends of the earth, And called thee from the chief men thereof. And said unto thee, Thou art my servant. I have chosen thee. And not cast thee away. And the sweet psalmist of Israel wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. He said, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed. And a refuge in times of trouble. He said the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? He said to the chief musician. For the sons of Korah. A song among Elamah. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help. In trouble. A very present help. See that's a God that doesn't forsake his people. Our God is the same Yes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and God changeth not. David noted that that was worthy to be put to music. And I say, amen, that's a good song to sing. Martin Luther saw it, put it to music, and it became one of the oldest hymns that we sing today. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Written in 1528. And just as fresh today as the day that it was written, praise God. The Lord is referred to a refuge 25 times in the scriptures. A help and a helper 84 times in the Bible. A God who forsakes those. A God who does not forsake those who cling to him. And a God who forsakes those who cling to him cannot be these things. He can't, a God, if God forsook his people, he could not be a helper. He could not be a refuge, but he is these things. Brethren, if God did not forsake his people who clung to him under the law, how much more will he not forsake those who have been reconciled to him and cling to his son by faith? There's no question about it. Jesus told his disciples, he said, and lo, I am with you always even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. There's no question about the faithfulness of God. 
Those who trust in the Lord will never be disappointed. God always comes through for those who cling to him, speaking as a man. If there's ever, if, see, if there's ever an interrupt then, or an issue, or a break, the reason did not originate with God, nay, but with men. While we are told that God will not forsake his people, we are also given the record of the people who forsook the Lord. The word forsake, just that word, 136 times it's used in the King James Version of the Bible. And of those 136 times, 59 times it refers to Israel, just Israel alone, forsaking the Lord forsaking his ways, forsaking his statutes, forsaking his commandments, forsaking his person. A God that told them that he wouldn't leave them or forsake them. They forsook a God like that. This is how serious sin is. I want to make mention of this because of how how our text, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, is represented in the vast majority of Christian teaching today. The reason why I refer to this is that today it's commonly taught that if God won't forsake anyone as long as they live, regardless of what they do, then it doesn't matter what we do. That this is not the meaning of the text. This was written to believers. This was written to his people. This was not written to the unbelieving world, those outside of Christ who are without God and without hope in the world. The promise that God will never leave or forsake is towards those who trust in him and follow him and continue to do so. It's not a promise given to those who would forsake him. No person should ever dare to think That God will always be there for a person who has continually and intentionally forsaken God. That's not my conclusion to what's written. This is is a plainly stated truth in the scripture. The spirit of God one time, he came upon Azariah as he went out to meet Asa. This is 2 Chronicles 15.2 if you want to turn to me. Turn with me there. 2 Chronicles 15.2. He said, The Lord is with you while ye be with him. And if ye seek him, he will be found of you. But if ye forsake him, he will forsake you. And again, 2 Chronicles 24.20. Again, the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehodiah, the priest, which stood above the people and said unto them, Thus saith God, Why transgress ye the commandments of the Lord, that ye cannot prosper? Because ye have forsaken the Lord, he hath also forsaken you. David told his son Solomon, And thou, Solomon, my son, Know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart, and with a willing mind, 
For the Lord searcheth all hearts and understandeth all the imaginations of thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he, he will cast thee off forever. First Chronicles 28, 20. Second Kings 22, 17. Because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, that they might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands, Therefore, my wrath shall be kindled against this place and shall not be quenched. It's the same God. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Are you following him? Walking in the grace that he's provided for you to do so as a new creation? See, he won't leave you. He'll never leave you against your will. Tonight, I'm declaring that if you stick with Jesus, he will always be there. He will never leave you or forsake you. Thank God. How can you not be content? Can't you see it? See, if you, if you can see this truth, if God is for us, who can be against us? How could you not be content? A person who refuses to be content with their lot in life. And see, these things were written. All these things were written of old for our admonition and for our learning. Israel provoked God the wrath. We don't want to provoke God the wrath. Israel forsook the Lord. We don't want to forsake the Lord. Praise God for Jesus. But if a person, a person who refuses to be content with their lot in life, whether it be their employment or their living and financial situation or their income, or their physical or family relationships or hardships, whatever it is. If a person refuses to be content, like with the weather every day, whatever it is, whoever it is that refuses to be content with what they're given, the same person will not be content even if God elevated their condition. A person who's not content because they, because they have marital issues. That same person won't be content even if God changed that. I want to be emphatic about this. It would only provide temporary relief to a persistent issue. A persistent problem here. They are not content because they lack this or that. They are not content because they cannot clearly see Jesus. So you've got to see this. If a person is not content with their lot in life, it's not because they lacked this or that. It's because they can't see Jesus and the fact that he'll never leave them or forsake them. Even if they think they can, even if they think they can see Jesus or say that they do, the fact that they are not content testifies against their profession. They do not properly value his presence or his promise and have not in faith cast their cares upon the Lord. Now, brethren, we need, we need help every day. Yeah. We, we, need, we, we need our attention directed every day. This is, a, this, is a nature of the, this is the nature of your fallen self as it's bent towards the earth. Praise God, that's not the only thing living in the house. We've got a new creation that can be directed to these other things. 
The promise that he will never leave us or forsake us is a promise that contains the total and substance of all the other promises that he's given to us. See, if you, if you have Jesus, you really have it all. If you don't have Jesus, you really have nothing. doesn't matter what you say you have. doesn't matter if you have riches or wisdom or strength or whatever it is that you've got. You've really got nothing if you don't have Jesus. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him who glories glory in this, that, that he knows me and understands me. See, all things that pertain to life and godliness are found in Jesus. And Jesus is always with his disciples, isn't he? See, covetousness. What is covetousness then? Covetousness is a device employed by the enemy of our souls. There are temptations designed to get you to think that somehow... You are more advantaged in your walk with the Lord according to your earthly circumstances or that contentment is obtained by our lot in this life. And while we do desire that the people of God prosper as their souls prosper, we don't want to see, we don't want to see our brethren suffer. We, we want to see the, the people of God blessed and exalted above the enemy. We want to see the... We want to see the, the Lord's name not be blasphemed. We desire that the people of God prosper as their soul prospers. But when it really comes down to it, faith does not, does not require the acquisition of temporal things in order to operate, does it? And some temporal things, especially especially money, can be a liability when they're possessed. They can actually be inhibitive. They can, they can actually have a capacity in and of themselves of distancing a person from God, of leading them away from God. I understand that many teachings in our day are geared around God giving you the things of the world, and he can, and he does, but that's not why Christ died. Brethren, that's not why Christ died. Abraham was rich in the things of this world. It didn't require Christ to come and lay down his life. Solomon was wealthy, wasn't he? Before Christ died. Before Christ came into the world. Isn't it written of him in the book that there, there hasn't existed anybody wealthy as him? Solomon was more wealthy than any person that had ever existed and ever will exist in terms of earthly riches. And he's the one, he's the one that said, he that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver. And he that loveth abundance with increase won't be satisfied with that. This is also vanity. It's like pointless. Now we know that Solomon was also the smartest person in terms of earthly wisdom too. So it's not like a simpleton said this. Okay. It's not like somebody, it's not like he just didn't know. Solomon didn't really know what he had there. No, he understood. Wasn't satisfied with it. And so if you think you can launch off in some sort of initiative to grab the things of the world and be satisfied with that, you've been deceived. 
The new covenant, see, the new covenant is built upon greater promises, isn't it? Greater promises than the things of the world. Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry. He's got better things to give you than silver and gold. Brethren, believe me, we need a more excellent ministry. And greater promises than the base things of the world. You see, if your marriage isn't going well, we, we, we really would that that situation would be resolved. But, they at the, but at the end of the day, you're going to have to live by faith. At the, at the, after it's all said and done, at the end of the day, you have to live by faith. If your marriage is going well and everything's pleasant, at the end of the day, you have to live by faith. If you're not married, you're still going to have to live by faith. If you're rich, you're going to have to live by faith. If you're poor, you're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to trust God when you're healthy, and you're going to have to trust God when you're sick. If you have a bad employer, or a good employer, or or no employer, or a home or no home, or a family who loves you, or a family who hates you, no matter what is your lot in life, You're going to have to live by faith. And I'll let you know that each one of those situations has its own unique advantages and its own unique problems. And there's there's no situation that's void of, of trial and testing and proving. No matter what your lot in life, you're going to have to live by faith. And Jesus has what you need. Jesus has what you need to live by faith. And he said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Do you see the the blessing of that promise now? Do you see how you can be content in that kind of a promise now? Whatever situation you find yourself in, Jesus has what's meet for you to live by faith. And we're we're learning to do so. See, we're we're learning to live by faith in Christ. Paul spoke of this very experience. He said, I know both how to be abased and how to abound everywhere and in all things i am instructed both to be full and to be hungry both to abound and to suffer need see he he, he, he god put him through the gambit of all these life experiences the remedy for covetousness is being content with what you have be content Whatever you have, brothers and sisters, be content. Was it not the Lord who gave you what you have? Was it not the Lord who set you in a place where you don't have? Was was that not the Lord? Is not the Lord reigning over his people? Is not the Lord working out all things according to your... Working together all situations according to your good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Now, all those things aren't pleasant, but he's working them together. You have treasure in heaven. You have a better and enduring substance in heaven laid up for you. You see, godliness with contentment is great gain because there are things to be obtained in every situation that you encounter living by faith. And there are some things that you learn in the room of infirmity that you can't learn in the room of health and wealth. You can't learn them. 
Didn't Paul have a thorn in his side? He was in infirmity. But in that place, he learned something. He learned something. Thy grace is sufficient. For your strength is made perfect in weakness. He wouldn't have got that in the room of health and wealth. He wouldn't have got it in the room of health and wealth. He got it in the room of infirmity. Haven't you picked up some stuff in the room of infirmity? I know I have. Some things in abundance and some things in lack. We pick up some things in sorrow and heaviness and some things in rejoicing and singing. All things are working together for our good to those of us who love God and are called according to his purpose. And all those things for the moment are not pleasant, but all things are working together. Through much tribulation, you must enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus told the church who was suffering from physical poverty that he knew of their poverty. You see, he was with them. Even though they, even though they were impoverished, Physically, Jesus was with them. He told them not to fear the things that they were about to suffer, and he held out a crown, an incentive. The one who is able to give you strength to live for him is always available to those who cling to him. He's with you in the good times. He's with you in the bad times. He stands with you at times when no man will. He's there when people cannot be and will not be. He's with you in the trial like the fourth man in the furnace of affliction. He's with you in life. He's with you in sickness. He's with you in death. He's with you when the enemy tempts you. He's with you when you encounter opposition. If God is for us, who can be against us? He says, I will never leave thee or forsake thee so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. You can say that. The victorious one is with you. That's something, that's something that money can't afford. Keep your lives free from the love of money. It's the presence of the Lord that gives us an ultimate advantage. Not, not the possessions of a perishing world. The whole world that doesn't know the Lord, it's, it's, it's like falling into this trap. Satan promises them like a, like a carrot on the end of a string. If I, if I, only, if I only got this, then, then I would be happy. And they get it, and it may provide some temporary satisfaction, but it's not, it's not lasting. And, they're, and then they set their... If I only had this, and they're always chasing, they're always chasing after something. Dave Grohl, lead singer of the Foo Fighters. I can't remember how many, $13.6 billion was his net worth, $13.6 million or $13.6 billion. He says, all my life I've been searching for something. Something never comes, never leads to nothing. Nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. It's a lie from the devil that godliness is a means of gain. 
and that somehow that that will satisfy us. It will not. I'm learning, brethren. I'm learning that godliness with contentment is great gain. There's a lie being spoken in the day that we live that God's only good for some money to give. They suppose that by serving him is earthly gain and then wonder why discontent they remain. It would be easier for me if I had this or that or if I had a new car or if I wasn't so fat. But mark this truth well, no matter your place and no matter your lot, you must live by faith. For when all's been said and your day has ended, it's only your faith. And God that's commended. Because contentment's not found in anything here, but in the Lord Jesus Christ that he's presently near. It does not matter then what you will own. It's enough just to know that you're never alone. So you can speak boldly this truth to be seen. I will not fear what man can do to me. Boldness and confidence and access to him. Redemption, forgiveness and strength to not sin. Peace, joy, and love, and a hope anchored high. All things in him that your money can't buy. I'm learning, brethren, whether in joy or in pain, that godliness with contentment is very great gain. And whether we lack or whether we abound, what a contentment in Christ is there to be found. Give thanks to his name, so faithful and true, For that secret place that's now made privy to you. For the God who will never leave us. Thank you, Father. And thank you, Jesus. I'd like to open up for your comments. Brother Robert. Yeah, you said if you have Jesus, you have it all. You know, this this has to be um, experienced to understand. A person just reads the scriptures, and you know, it's it's not just words on a page. It's when he is actively living in your heart, and you have a love for him, and and you 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 can experience to a a great measure of how much he cares for you. See, now you'll you'll lay down your life, or you'll lay down your life in order that you might have life. But see, this is just not something I like a creed. It just won't cut it. Yeah. But Christ is real, and the experience of walking with Him and being tutored by Him and and being made ready for the ages to come. This is this is God's working in us, both the will and the do of His good pleasure. This is this is not just good advice. This is an absolute requirement that we we know Him now. If we're going to reign with him there. Amen. It's Brother Rob. Yeah. He becomes our life. And being so, he displaces all these distractions. Yeah. All these other things. Amen. Mm-hmm. Yes, you sir. have to watch out that sometimes covetousness is not for money. That's yeah. right. For other things. Yes. Amen. Right. For the kind of happiness another person Amen. has. Yes. For the talents that another person has. Absolutely. Yes. In yes. fact, you have a husband and I don't. Yes. Uh-huh. We just have to watch out. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Brother David. 
appreciate your message. And this isn't preached very much, but these, but this scripture is true. He says, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." And in whatever circumstance of life you are, whether you have a lot or none, nothing, you can count on this. He won't leave you. If you forsake him, of course he'll forsake you. But if you're clinging tight to him, he's never going to let you. He's never going to. There'll never be a time when you can't count on him, and he will provide. If if you're trusting in the things that you have, or always wanting more, how are you going to trust him for? How are you going to recognize when he's the one that provided? Because you're always doing it for yourself. If, if you're in a position, you can put yourself in a position where you say, well, I don't need him because I can, I got all this money in the bank or I can, through my work or my labors, I can make a lot of money. Why would you need God to provide for you? Well, the truth is he provides everything. Some people he enables them to, to uh, have greater skill. But he's the one that provides it. He doesn't leave you. And then this next verse the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. And that's something you got to hold on to also. Amen. So in response to what Brother David said, I realized that if you insist on taking care of yourself, you only get as good a care as you can give. Yeah. But yes. if you let the Lord take care of you, He can do a much better job. Amen. Amen. That's right. Yeah. And you mentioned some of the distractions, some of the traps. Yeah. See, that that they're out there in the world, and and on the surface they don't seem like traps at all. Yeah. They're may you may actually think they're an advantage. Yeah. That if I just had this, if I just had that. And, 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 and Solomon said this take us the foxes the little foxes that spoil the vine see they don't seem like they're doing that big of a big of damage but they're spoiling the vine yeah. you won't have an inheritance if you if you choose your inheritance in the earth you won't have one there yeah. see this is the thing we're to deny ungodliness and worldly lust now, anything that would take us away from Christ, now that's a big category. Amen. And for you, it may be different things. For me, it may be different things. But the end result is what will you give in exchange for your life? Amen. And we have to answer that question every day. Amen. Sister Heather. Um, yeah, Brother Bob um, kind of stated what I've been thinking too that. Um, when the Lord tells us to set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth, it's, it's for our good because this earth is passing yes, away. Yes. And, and, you know, the ungodly have um, that testimony I've noticed towards the end of their life um, when they, they don't have the Lord. I've seen um, people turn to, to terrible things, even not towards the end of their life, just pursuing mm -hmm. things that that are lead to their death. Mm -hmm. And it, it's sad to watch people grasp for yes. the things that they cannot hold on to as they as, you know, it, anyway, it, thank you for this, brother. It, it really uh, speaks to to all of us. Amen. 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 
brothers and sisters. Thank you. We have uh, Sister Lita come up for our song for the Lord's table.